still my soul. Hey everybody, this is Phil. Welcome to our Bible study podcast. At the end of this study, please take the time to subscribe to the Glen Springs Church YouTube channel and check out our website. Also, if you live in the Gainesville, Florida area, we would love to have you visit us in person. For now, let's open up the Heavenly Library and may the words of the Holy Spirit sink deep into our hearts. Thanks for joining us. In every Good morning. Great to see everybody this morning. I'm not sure if I exactly got the uh, usual kick in my step, but I appreciate the uh, encouragement there, Brett. We had a wonderful weekend. Actually, it's still going on uh, down at camp. Uh, I went off and just left everybody else, but your kids are fine, I am sure. Uh, but it was certainly enjoyable as always. It's just so, so powerful when you see all those kids singing praises to God. And you know that's where they want to be. They want to be with their friends singing praises to God, so that's, that's a good place to be. And it's also a good place to be here this morning. Uh, I'm looking out, seeing some faces I haven't seen in a while. There's Miss Paula Aikens. Uh, welcome. Uh, good to see her. And uh, BR is certainly continuing in our prayers. And we haven't announced it really yet, but Levi is with us this morning. Mayor, good to see James and Hannah and Levi. And so uh, congratulations uh, to y'all. Uh, that is truly a blessing uh, when you bring a child into this world. And uh, that's a powerful, powerful way to serve, is to serve our children. But I would be remiss if I did not give a shout out uh, to a new sister in Christ who is with us this morning, uh, this past week. Caitlin Robinson decided it was time for her to put on Christ in baptism, and so she did that Tuesday night, and so God bless her. I've been so moved by her faith and her diligence to seek the Lord and to establish her own faith and to study to see what does Scripture guide me to do, and that has been her attitude, and I'm so very proud of her, and I will say this, your baptism story won't include cold waters, will it? No, it's like a hot tub back there right now. So just throwing that out there to you. If you've been thinking about it, today could be your day. Uh, I tell you, Lindsay and Jeff have the baptistry running well. And uh, it, it did. It felt like you were stepping into the waters of Crescent Beach in July. It was really nice. But uh, congratulations to Caitlin, to her boyfriend Kez, and to Whitney for saying to her, come and see. Come and see. So God bless her. All right, I hope you have the Heavenly Library with you. Let me invite you to take down the book of Ephesians and go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to read the second prayer from the Apostle Paul that he shares with the brethren of Ephesus. This will begin in verse 14 and go through verse 21. So if you would like to stand for the scripture reading at this time, we will stand and read from God's word together. For this reason, says Paul, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, 
He may grant you to be strengthened with power by His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. You may not realize it, but every time that we gather together as a family in Christ, your shepherds, your elders... Your overseers have one purpose for you. And that purpose is what we find in this letter written to the Ephesian church. It is the purpose that we can equip all the saints who are a part of this body of Christ to the work of ministry. And that we can all be unified in edifying one another in the idea of serving one another with love and good works. And here's the way that we long to do that every single time that we come together that we can share with you what is indeed the love of Christ. As we're returning and reviving and seeking to respond this year, it is our desire more than anything to get our focus back to knowing and understanding what love is. What is love? Well, if you've been in love for a while, especially if you've been a part of this wonderful relationship that we find in Scripture called marriage, you know that love is more than just a feeling. It, it is kind of funny when we look at the word love and we use it in our common vernacular today. We, we have so many things that we claim to love. We'll say, you know, I love a good pepperoni pizza, or I love this ball team. And then we'll use that same expression to express our love for our wife. I love pepperoni and I love you, honey. You're right there with pepperoni. It is kind of odd, isn't it? That it's the same word for affection, but you know, and here's what you know when you're in a relationship in which you are truly in love. Love's more than a feeling. It's more than emotion. It's more than just maybe what you see it goes much deeper than that. Notice what Paul says here, that it is his desire and his prayer as he prays for the saints. This is what you find in, in verse 18. That you may comprehend with all the saints this love. This is a great word. In the Greek, the word comprehend can actually imply to seize, to lay hold of. It's actually used in other passages in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 9 and in verse 18, there's this man who's consumed by a spirit, a demonic spirit. And here's the way Mark uses this exact same Greek word. He says the spirit had overtaken him. It seized him. 
it consumed him. Uh, in Acts 10 and in verse 34, when Peter is preaching to the crowd and, and, and he's finally come to the realization as he's speaking to a crowd that isn't just the first Gentile crowd to hear the gospel, but he's also speaking to Jews who are there with him after God has been twisting his arm and working him through those visions. If you remember the story, the unclean animals and the clean animals and the Lord's rising, he, he finally comes to the realization when he's in front of Cornelius and his household and he says this, I perceive I get it. I finally understand. God is no respecter of persons. When Paul says, I want you to comprehend, he says, I want it to consume you. I want it to seize you. I want it to capture you. Like you're being bound by it and it's a good thing. And now it is consuming you. He isn't saying, here's brother, what I want you to really understand. I want you to have some intellectual exercise of what love is. I want you to be able to kind of comprehend and work out a mathematical formula so that you can maybe equate it or quantify. No, no, no. It goes much deeper than that. He goes, I want you to comprehend. I want you to be seized. I want you to be overwhelmed by the love of Christ. I want to try to share this with you in an example, and this is probably the only time I'm going to be able to ever do this. When our kids were growing up, I told them if I ever used you as a sermon example, if it ever came out, you know, preachers, that's what they do to kids, I'd pay you some money, so I'd give them a dollar, you know, Dad used you in a sermon. I remember one Sunday, I was getting up to come up, and right before I got up, I was like, mm. I was looking at my billfold, and I handed Jill a five. And she was like, what am I going to get five? She goes, oh, a five. Oh, I must be a real big one. And she said, oh, Daddy, no, Daddy. I used the example. Anyhow, it was a $5 worth example. This morning, I'm going to do what I was never, ever, ever allowed to do, and that was to use Cheryl in a sermon example. She's not here this morning. She's still at camp, and don't tell her, all right? Don't tell her. But I think you know that I'm in love with my wife. I'm in love with her. That's why today, the beard goes away. <laughs> She's feeling better. She's no longer sick. Camp is over. And it's time for the beard to go. Because for the past few days, when I've tried to kiss my wife or hug her, she's, she's been like this the whole time. And, it, and it's the analogy, it's like trying to kiss a rose through the thorns, and the rose really isn't worth it, all right? That rose really isn't worth it. So the beard's going to go away. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. That's simple. We probably, like many of you that have been married a while, you probably have a picture somewhere in your house of these two young people who every now and then you walk by that picture and you look at that wedding picture and you go, who are those people? You don't look the same. You don't look the same. But you remember that day, don't you? Remember how you were so much in love and how, how, how pretty she was and how much fun it was and how excited you were. And you remember that emotion? After 31 years of marriage, you know what just 
knocks me over, overwhelms me. It's some evening when I'll come home, maybe I've been somewhere away at a Bible study and I come back in late and Cheryl's worked all day and by the time I've got home, she's been cleaning the house as soon as she got home or cooking dinner and by the time I get home, she's wearing some old raggedy T-shirt with holes in it and she's got the bags under her eyes and she looks all droopy and sleepy and her hair, see, that's why I can't do it when she's here. And, and her hair's all messed up and, and, and she's been working so hard and so tired. It floors me. Maybe she's tutored the kids all day as well. And she's been working all day for us. And she looks much more beautiful there than she ever did it back in that first picture together. Because what you comprehend is all that someone has done and more importantly, all that they are for you. And you're in love. It's deeper than an emotion now. It's deeper than a feeling. It's deeper than appearance. You comprehend love. How it thinks, how it moves, how it acts. And what if I, what if I, after all that love, after all that effort in rearing our children and serving our family and working with me and supporting me, what if after all that, I was to say, you know, that's not pretty to me anymore. There's something over here that's much more attractive, something over here that is brand new, something over here maybe it even makes back to the very, what would you think of me? What would you say? Song of Solomon actually puts it like this. He says, set me as a seal upon your heart. Set me as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealously unrelenting, even as shield. Its sparks are like a fiery flame. Its fiercest blaze of all. Mighty waters cannot quench love. And a river can't sweep it away. But if a man were to give up all wealth in chasing love and offer it to another, it would be utterly scorned. I don't know if you caught what he was saying there. <laughs> True love can't be quenched. But if you thought you could find it somewhere else and even try to pay for it, How could you seek another? How could I go after another? 
It's that kind of love that, that Paul wants us all to see when we look at our Christ. And it's the idea that when we can take the time to comprehend, to truly understand who and what Jesus is, why would you want to go anywhere else? Why would you want to look anywhere else if you can truly comprehend the love of Christ? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just focus with me and what we're going to do is just simply look at this verse. This is that verse, the verse of comprehending what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of Christ. And here's what Paul is actually saying to us. He says, I want you to do what you can to see it in all four of these dimensions. Not that you can actually measure it. It's not measurable. It goes far beyond. But I want you to see it in all of its dimensions. I want you to see how high it goes. I want you to try to comprehend how deep it goes. I want you to see how far it goes. And I want you to see the breadth in which it can reach around, if you will say, and how his arms can reach around, how it would go. I want you to think. It's almost in the same way that Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 53, can your mind actually comprehend the mind of God? Can your ways actually be like his ways? God says, no, your ways are not my ways. The way you think is not the way I think. And what he's actually referring to when you look back at that passage, he's talking about the way that he loves us, the way that he forgives us. You're never really going to understand it because it goes far beyond your imagination. But Paul says, I want you to try. And I want you to try hard. Because I think when you do, it's going to seize you when you comprehend it. So let's look at it real quick. For the four dimensions if you will, of the love of Christ. First of all, it's width, okay? Now, I don't know, and let me just be honest with you, okay? I don't know if specifically this is exactly what Paul had in mind of the width, but I think it's a good idea. Width. You ever looked at the width of a river sometimes? Wide and flowing. Maybe he's referring to the idea of how God's love is truly like a mighty river and it's wide in expanse. Because if you think about the love of the Lord, how wide is it? How wide is it? Well, John says it like this as he recites our Lord's words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who can fit in the width? Well, anyone can. Uh, if, if you go back and, and, and look in Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 14, what, what Paul has actually already shared with the brethren of the church at Ephesus, he says, you know what, Jewish folks that are in the church? This includes Gentiles. He actually loves them. He does. And you know what, you Gentile folks? You know what this is saying? It's saying that God actually loves the Jews. He does. And one of our challenges sometimes, and this is hard for us, because we're very carnal-minded, is that we truly haven't comprehended that God can love people, even the people that are annoying to us. <laughs> you mean he really loves them? He really cares for them? 
Does he really know what kind of people they are? Uh, if you think back to the story of Jonah, when you think back to Jonah, you remember the Jonah, you always generally think of the fish. But here's what led to the fish. It was the idea that God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh because I want you to go share with them my love. And Jonah goes, I don't want to do that. I don't love them. But God says, I do. And when you really get into the story of Jonah, it wasn't so much a story about Nineveh as it was about Jonah. Because I even love you, Jonah. And let's just be honest, this isn't your finest hour in this story. It's wide. It's like a wide net that is cast into the sea. It goes far beyond your comprehension. Oh, what about its length? Now, I, I, again, I'm not sure specifically if this is exactly what Paul was thinking this, but if you think a length of a line, you think of a timeline, well, how far does it go? How long will it last? Well, here's what we see in Scripture when you consider the love of God. It's from everlasting to everlasting. In Jeremiah 31 and in verse 3, this is exactly how Jeremiah shares it with the people as he speaks for God. I love you with an everlasting love. In other words, I'm going to always love you. It's never going to end. Literally, it's never, ever, 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 ever going to end. But here's what makes it even more powerful. It goes just as far back the other way. And that's hard for us to get. Again, if you can look in the book of Ephesians, I believe Paul has pointed this out to us. When you look back in chapter one, when he talks about these spiritual blessings, you'll notice that in verse four, that he's even shown us in him and he chose us in him when? Before what? For the foundation of the world. I loved you before I even created you. I loved you before I met you. I've loved you. And I will always love you. One of the reasons I think this is hard for us is that we're honest enough to look at ourselves sometimes in a mirror <laughs> and really see the truth. We have those moments. And we realize, I'm not that lovable. I'm, I'm really not that lovable sometimes. There, there are those days that... <laughs> I'm thinking, how does Cheryl love me? What was she thinking? And it's so nice to have a trump card because God told you you have to now. You're in. You're stuck. Just reminding you. <laughs> but we know us. But to know God is to know he's always going to love. He's always going to love you. Uh, uh, there's there's, there's a, a passage back in Deuteronomy about how far will God go. It says, to the ends of the earth. In fact, in the psalmist, Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I'll go for you. The width of his love. The length of his love. And now I want you to look at the depth of his love. 
In Philippians 2, in verses 7 through 8, uh, Paul also describes our Lord Jesus. And while you don't find love shared over and over and over in the text, it is truly an example of love. And here's the way he describes our Lord into how far down he will go for us. It says, he has left heaven. Have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, and by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men, and being found as a human form, he humbled himself. He came down. He stepped down, and he humbled himself not just to become a man, which is getting pretty low. He humbled himself even to the point of death, and not just any death, even death on a cross. That's how far down he went. You could also look at it like this. Go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 and in verses 1 through 3, all right? Uh, if, if there's three verses in Ephesians I really don't care for, I really don't want to spend a lot of time on, these are those three verses, all right? Because it describes us before Jesus. And you were dead in your trespasses. You're dead. Because of the sins that you once walked in and you were following the course of this world, you were following the prince of the air and the spirit that now works in the son of disobedience and among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just like the rest of mankind. But no matter how far down we went, Jesus went down even farther to pick us up. You can't sin so much that the love of Jesus can't get underneath you and lift you up. Can you comprehend that? Can you comprehend that? And then last, his height of his love. How high does it go? Well, again, we can look in Ephesians, and this is very powerful. Just read a little bit further in Ephesians 2 there. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and notice, and has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. He carries us that high. He holds us in that esteem, not in and of ourselves, certainly not, but through him. And it's a love that will lift us all the way to heaven. I think the point that you got to see is it's just a lot of love. Uh, you ever use this expression when you've been talking to somebody? If you only knew. You ever done that before? Maybe somebody is looking over here and somebody's looking at them and going, oh, I don't understand why they're doing that. Oh, I don't understand why they're acting like that. Well, if you only knew what they were going through, 
If you only knew how far they came, or if you only knew their circumstances, you would see that totally different. It's kind of in the same way Paul is saying to us, if you only knew this much about the love of Jesus. You would never, ever want to think about seeking anyone else. So every time we come together as a family in Christ, what we want to just impress upon all of us is to know the love of the Lord. Has anybody noticed what is above the doors before you enter the auditorium? Anybody seen that yet? It's his passage. May we, every single time we come together, be able to comprehend all of us together. What is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of Christ? so that we can truly be filled with all the goodness of God. The goodness of God. You're probably going to tell Cheryl. I just know it, aren't you? Just make sure you get all of it in there. because I don't mind telling you, my cup runs over. (laughs) Giving up a beard is nothing. But that's just a simple analogy. And even that relationship pales in comparison to really how much my Savior and your Savior Jesus loves us. Because if you only knew, if you really only knew, it would make all the difference. So this morning, as we conclude just a little bit of time together, just thinking and meditating on one verse, I want you to think about what do you see when you see Jesus? What do you think about? What do you know? Because maybe, just maybe, You know enough to know that you have a Savior who loves you. And our Lord doesn't demand that we have perfect love. He doesn't demand that we have perfect obedience. He doesn't demand that we have perfect knowledge. He says just a mustard seed faith is all you need. And that's all he wants for you to come to him. Another way it was presented by one commentator that I was reading, the height, the depth, the width, you think of the cross, how far those arms will reach, how far the top of that cross will go, and how deep it will plunge 
to reach us all. And if you know that, you know enough to come to him, to have your sins washed away in him. And the way it's actually described in Scripture is it's a marriage relationship of a Lord with dark circles under his eyes, hair out of place, tattered, torn, but all for you. And you can come to him. Come to him this morning. Or it may be you just want to rededicate yourself to the Lord. And I want to remind you that every time your shepherds come to the front, they just want to remind you, we're here, we're here. And if you just want to get together in prayer, we can get together in prayer whenever you want to help strengthen you in your walk with the Lord. Because we want, we want every time we come together is that you'll be able to comprehend the love of Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God. We can help you have that assurance this morning. We invite you to come while we stand and while we sing. The Lord is in His holy temple. Again, thanks for listening. If you live in North Central Florida or you're just passing through, we would love to have you visit us at the Glen Springs Road Church of Christ. Also, check out our website, glenspringschurch.com. You can learn more about our church family and how to contact us. Until next time, God bless. Keep silence before